you know, in your childhood, there's certain memories you have in your life. And of course, you know, in your childhood, there's most of it you forget, obviously. And there's certain things that jump out at you. And probably even the one things you do remember probably distorted a little bit. You know, that's not exactly the way you, it really was, but you remember it. But one of my uh, significant childhood memories was when I was in the first grade. And I was, uh, our Christmas program, and I was playing... Uh, we're doing a nursery rhyme for the Christmas program, nursery, a bunch of nursery rhymes, and I was Jack, jump over the candlestick. <laughs> Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick. Jack, jump over the candlestick. And I remember they had this candle out there I was supposed to jump over. Jack, Jack don't burn your toe. Jack, don't. Okay. So I practiced this. You know, it's a lot of practice you have to do there. And so I was excited about this, and, you know, I, I thought, man, this is, this is awesome. This, I, you know, my thinking is at that age, this whole play is dependent on me. You know, what's about to happen here if I don't come through? This whole thing is built around me. That was on Thursday. On Wednesday, I was, the reason I knew it was Wednesday, because my mom went and bought groceries on Wednesday. You know, she went and got them, and, you know, and, and so that was the big day to go buy groceries, and my sister was there in the house, and my two sisters, and my, they were, my sister just had a, a, a baby boy, and he was just a few weeks old, or maybe not even two weeks old, and she was in there, and my two brothers were out in the pasture, and I was, we were remodeling our house. We, we had this small house, and we were building onto it. I don't know what happened. We can't roll into money. I don't know what happened. We were building a big house, okay? We had the farm. had 40 acres there, and I was out there playing Army by myself. You know how those old, many of you, especially older people in here, you had those helmets that had the little elastic strap. I don't know if they even still make them, but they had the little helmet on. I had my gun, and I was running across the yard, got shot. Man, I rolled. My helmet comes flying off, and I come running underneath this frame of this window, no wall, just the framework. I run under it because, man, I'm ducking, and it catches me, and there's a nail, and it just went whoosh. My, if I ever go completely bald and I'm working there, there's a fish hook on top of my head, a scar. I go running in the house, and, and, and I, I, my sister there, I'm running in, and, I, and there's this pool of blood, and I'm, I'm going, I, I've cut my head open. I could feel, I could actually lift the skin up. I don't know if I could touch inside of it. They said I could touch my skull, and I was lifting it up, and, I, I, and my sister comes in who just got pregnant, passes out. <laughs> Freaks her out. My next sister comes in. She's not much better, but at least she stays upright, and and they called my mom when they knew the grocery store because they didn't have cell phones. My mom, uh, you know, after you've had five kids, you've seen everything, okay? So she comes home, picks me up. We drive 20 miles. As fast as my mom's probably driving 100-something miles an hour, driving 20 miles. I'm bleeding all over the car and over this towel. We get there. They sew me up, send me home. Put a turban on me. Just so you know that in the mid-'60s in Arkansas, a first grader with a turban wasn't in. Okay, <laughs> just in case you thought that was a cool thing, that was not necessarily a cool thing. I couldn't go to school the next day and be in the Christmas program. I'd worked so hard on Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. I had jumped over the candlestick. <laughs> and you know what they did? They just took it out of the play. And still held the play. The program went on. I was shocked. Because I thought I was the main player in the play. And they just 
Keep moving. It's a life lesson, right, at first grade. People just keep moving. They don't stop. I took a picture as I was reading this scripture in Matthew 18, getting prepared today. I took a picture at the house of my four Josephs. My favorite is here, the little guy. But one of the things I realized was you could put a nativity scene up and not put Joseph in it, and very few people would notice. Just a bit player. I'm glad somebody wrote a song, Josiah, about Joseph. Did you know there is no recorded word, not one quote from Joseph in Scripture? He is mentioned in Matthew, Luke, once in John, where someone calls Jesus the son of Joseph, and that's it. He's not mentioned at all in Mark or in the rest of the New Testament. Ultimately, his exit from the story of the Gospels is unexplained. He just leaves. And I would guess if Joseph, in the middle of all that, I would guess when all that we heard on Scripture, and if you heard it in the video about the Scripture in Matthew 1, I would guess Joseph at some point there realized he was a pretty important part but I think if he read Scripture and he took the Bible and he began to read through it, he would look like he would probably begin to think, "Man, they just forgot about me." Actually, I wasn't even really like a like a, a you know a, a supporting actor. I was an extra that is almost not even noticed in history. I'm guessing when Mary told Joseph she was pregnant, and I appreciate the way the video, we don't know what he did, but as we saw, he just shook his head and walked away. I mean, there was none of his beginning to look a lot like Christmas feel about what he was thinking. Okay, there was nothing. It was, he walked away. And the reality is, as we have, I've taught on this before, I, I love the story of Joseph because Sometimes I think we forget that Joseph was a real man. And I'm guessing that Joseph, if he's like any young man, he's about to get married, he's betrothed to be married, you would think he's dreaming. I mean, I don't think dreaming just came around in the 21st century or the 20th century. People always had dreams, maybe not like what we think about today, about changing the world, but they thought about maybe even their honeymoon night. They thought about even like how they were going to raise their kids, where they were going to live, all those kind of things. He was a real man, an ordinary man, a simple man, but a simple man with hopes and dreams. But here he's put in this situation. And from his standpoint, really two options. One is to expose Mary, which very well, not only would she have been, her reputation would have been gone, it very well could have got her killed. Or to quietly 
divorce her. But either way, it's going to cost him something. You know, we talked about it last week with John the Baptist. One of the things I think we get confused about as believers is, is that we can follow Christ and it not cost us anything. That somehow or another, this whole thing is about us. That somehow or another, God would never let that happen to me, whatever that is. But here's Joseph. With all of his dreams, everything, but how come him, an ordinary man? You know, I... You know, Joseph had to get up and move after Jesus was born, had to leave everything. Now, at this point, we don't know that for sure that everybody else knew that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Maybe they didn't have that conversation. But there's a point when the angel comes back to Joseph again and tells him to move. And he moves to Egypt. It's not like moving from Arizona to California. (laughs) This is an enormous decision. But it cost him, probably the chances are that Joseph was handed down his trade by his dad. All the people that he was connected to, his community, had been there all of his life, but he's having to pull up roots and move in order to be obedient. It was going to cost him something. I have no idea what that's like. I, the only thing I have related is to pick up our family and move to Arizona from, 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 from Texas. That's about all I know about that. But I do know what that feels like. But I wasn't doing it in running in fear and trying to protect my children. I was doing it to chase after God. So it has a little bit different bent to it. But it cost Joseph something. I know for me, I never imagined preaching. I never imagined being a pastor. For sure, Jan never imagined me being a pastor. But your dreams change. Your thinking changes. When God calls, my brother, my brother's wrote, wrote a little book, and I think I've shared this with somebody. I don't think I've done it in here, but if we're my mom and dad's, and I should have a picture here uh, because there is a picture of it somewhere, but my mom and dad's cemetery there in Arkansas, there's a phone booth. And it's just kind of odd to have this phone booth out in the middle of a cemetery to me. It just seems odd to have it there. But my brother wrote this little book, and it's not long, but and it shows the phone booth, a picture of a cover of it is a picture and the phone just hanging down. It says, in the name of when God calls, he does not leave a message. He expects you to answer it and he expects you to be obedient to that. When God calls, when God calls, What I love about this passage of Scripture, and there's a lot, but the word that jumped out to me this week, and again, I've preached on Joseph before, the word that jumped out to me this week as I was preparing is the word says that Joseph considered. 
Sure, Joseph could have been mad. Sure, Joseph could have done, even by law, he could have done something emotionally because he let his emotions cover his self-centeredness. He could have very well in that moment said, it's about me. And get all raised up in this justified, I have the law on my side. That's what he could have done. Man, do we operate that way in our own lives at times where we let emotion trump everything else? We let emotion say, this is the way I feel, so I have every right. Matter of fact, because I feel this way, matter of fact, I must have the right. And emotion trumps truth. Emotion, somehow or another, we think equals truth. I mean, we see it in our political climate all the time that the emotion, if I can ratchet up enough emotion, I don't have to have any facts. I don't have to have anything. You know, this week I was driving, Tuesday night I was driving down 24th Street to just go. I went to the bank at Wells Fargo and I pulled out on 24th Street to turn right on Camelback. I didn't, I was just going to the post office. I didn't know that there was an impeachment rally going on. I just drove into it. Hundreds of people on the corners. Every corner there at 24th and Camelback, hundreds of people screaming and cursing. I know Colton went down to go to Cafe Real, just trying to go to Cafe Real. They didn't know us, but they're out there flipping us off, throwing the F-bomb, cursing at us because I went, got in the left-hand lane to go through and go down to Highland. I didn't want to deal with it. But then I saw this picture and thought, man, I should have because, you know, I know you can go Pelosi, Schumer, McConnell, all those kind of things. But when Santa Claus says you got to go, <laughs> you got to listen, right? You know I'm kidding here. <laughs> Somehow another Santa Claus got in on this. I don't know how. You know I'm not making a political statement there. My point is this, when emotion trumps everything else, and I don't. And Trump is a new word that I almost used that in the wrong way here. You know what I mean by that. <laughs> as long as I can ratchet up enough emotion, I don't have to deal with truth. And that comes from all sides. I think most people are in the middle, myself. But aren't you glad that Joseph in this story doesn't let emotion rule the day. You know what ruled the day? Truth and mercy. He considered what the truth said. This is what my options are, but he also chose mercy. This is even before the dream. Now hear me. This is before the dream is birthed. He was a righteous man. Joseph already is tracking with God in many ways. Even before he knows he's called, he is already operating in truth and mercy. All he needs now is a direction and obedience. Because when God calls, he doesn't leave a message. Parents, please hear me. 
You know how the Savior got to the point of being a grown man? He had parents who heard from God, pondered it. The word says that Mary pondered it all in her heart. She's got two parents that are not just emotional, ah, that's about me. He had two parents who sought truth, listened for God, and pondered. You know what the term here means? And I want you to think about this, what the word considered here means. It doesn't mean like, hey, Kurt, will you think about coming over the house? Oh, yeah, I'll consider that. Yeah, I'll think about that. It literally means, this in the Greek here, it literally means they weigh it. And then it, then it goes on to say it is a strong, intense, passionate consideration. Let me say it again. He didn't just get up, Joseph just didn't get up and go, well, you know, I got the law here. I could show mercy. I could do both. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm going to go for a hike. I'm just going to think about it. I'm going to go to, no. It is this weighing of this intense, strong, passionate Consideration. Guess what? Emotion is involved. But motion can't trump truth. Motion doesn't equal truth. Motion can, emotion can inform truth. Truth can inform emotion. But they can't be. You can have truth and have no emotion. Do nothing about it. That's what I mean by that is you can know what the right thing is do and have no passion for it. Many of you, I think our churches, unfortunately, in this country are filled, or in many ways filled with people who have the knowledge but no passion to live it out. So you can have truth and no passion to go for it, and you can have emotion with no truth. But these two parents, selfless servants, sought truth, mercy, direction, obedience. Why did God choose those two people? Well, we don't know all that. But what I can say, there were two people who would at least choose truth and mercy. They were righteous. If you're looking for truth and letting God place mercy because of his spirit in you, you are usable. (laughs) It cost him a lot. Man, did it cost him. You know, and and, and then I'll just say this about Joseph. Most of us, when we think about Joseph, we think about him at the manger. We don't know how he died. We, we, We are assuming, we're assuming that even the fact that Jesus knew the scripture probably alongside his father, No, he was in the temple, but probably his father, even though he learned a trade beside his his father's side, he grew him up. It says that they went searching for him when he was at at 12 years old, and he was going for, they were looking for him in the temple, and when when they find him, they go back passionately looking for him. He knew he was in charge of something. He knew something had been impregnated in him. 
A mission had been called on him, and he did everything he could to protect it, but we just don't know how he exited. But what I'm guessing is Jesus was by his side. Odds are he died before Jesus came to the ministry at 30 years old. Jesus had to grieve that, my guess is, because we sometimes think of Jesus as fully divine, but if we're going to think of him as fully divine and fully man, we also got to think of him as an earthly father that he had that poured into him, that influenced him, that took him to the temple, that had took him to the... He made a practice of showing up in places he was supposed to. That's my guess, especially when you look at the other boys in the house and what they did. <laughs> There's a great chance... There's a father who's leading that, not just a mother, which we know Mary. Mary gets her doing she should. Don't misunderstand that. But he had two parents. And this is not only the parents, so please do not walk out of here going, well, this is all about parents. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Jesus had two parents who wanted to walk in truth, mercy, direction, Obedience. And we're the benefactors of that. I had this week, I didn't get a chance to talk to him about it. One of the things we did this week in Uncommon was... Everyone was challenged. I don't know if everybody did it, but everyone was challenged with writing their obituary. You know, when you, when you begin to do that, you begin to think of not only where you are right now, but what you want them to say at your funeral, and that's the whole concept. Now, we all know this. They're not going to be, most of us won't ever have a book written about us, and we'll be kind of like Joseph. We'll be a footnote in, some, in the scheme of the world. But we don't necessarily have to be a footnote or an extra in people's lives that are closest to us. I was very fortunate. I had two parents that they impacted, they left a legacy, whether they intended to or not. And I think there's something about when you go, man, if there is a way to do this, whether anybody else remembers my name, they may remember somebody's name that I poured into. Whether they ever know about Kurt Gentry, you know, it really doesn't matter, does it? But if what I did, I love what Acts 13, 36 about King David says. It says he served God's purpose in his own generation, then he died. What an epitaph. Epitaphs can be coming all kinds of different ways. We did that a few years ago in an ethos. I remember Jan wrote her epitaph, if we ever had to, it, kitchen closed. <laughs> we all have our thoughts, don't we? But what would that be? 
Joseph did have a choice, like you and I, I believe. He had a choice when God came to him in a dream to say, your mission is to to, 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 to put aside all your agenda, Bubba. Remove it. I'm about to use you in an unbelievable way. I'm about to take the ordinary and do something extraordinary. You know what? He's still doing that. He's still doing that. I just wonder if part of the reason for some of you you're not hearing from God that maybe even most of your life is about emotion, about you, about what you want to do, about what. And I understand that, but man, that's our tendency, right? But what if even the gift you give this season is a person who seeks mercy and truth? And go, you know what? I don't know right now what God, I don't know that God will ever come to me in a dream. He literally has come to me in a dream. But I don't know that he'll ever do that with you. But I believe with all my heart he has a call on your life. And how he shows it, I think he shows it through circumstances. He shows it through people. He shows it through his word. He shows it in different ways, but he has it. And I think when we're seeking to walk in truth and mercy, truth and grace, we can hear it a whole lot different. And even if we try something at times that we go, and oh, that didn't work out the way I thought it would, I thank God because, but you were seeking it in mercy and truth. You were not seeking it out of self-centeredness. You were not seeking it out of boasting, boasting yourself. You were seeking out the good for me and the good for others. And I'm okay with that. But he comes parachuting into your life. Unexpectedly. He says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I'm not going to leave a message. (laughs) I'm calling you. And you just have no idea where that calling will take you. And I will just tell you, be up front. I don't know what it will cost you. But I would be this Christmas season when we're focusing on what we're focusing on for me to tell you it won't cost you anything would be a lie I've heard this said years ago I think as Irving McManus has said you know we hear all the time the safest place is to be in the center of God's will and he said that's not true He said the most dangerous place is to be outside of God's will. He said, but the second most dangerous place is to be in God's will. But the awesome thing is, in God's will, he makes you dangerous. So my hope for you this season, on this Sunday before Christmas Eve, is that you will consider a man who's been forgotten. And the example he set for us, 
Choose mercy. Choose truth. Seek it. Seek it. Ask God for his voice and his wisdom and his eyesight. And then, friend, just be obedient. Amen? Amen. Won't you stand? I'm going to close in prayer. Again, I encourage you to be here on Christmas Eve. Invite someone if you can. I realize there's a lot of people moving, moving pieces this time of year, so I get it. But if you can, to be here. And, uh, and again, next Sunday, I hope you take this time, whether with your family or with taking the, the DVD or whatever is best for you, to really be present and focusing in what God's doing in your life. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you that you gave us an example. Someone who just didn't just get all emotional and stomp off. And Lord, maybe he had every right by the law. And our friend Joseph. Lord, there's a greater calling on our life to be righteous, to do right that reflects you. Lord, I pray for parents across this room. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over parents specifically. I pray for all of us to, to, to adhere to this, Lord. But right now, for whatever reason, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for parents, husbands and wives and parents, Lord, that they would walk the word says in spirit and truth, but Lord, seek mercy, give mercy, be a conduit of mercy. Seek truth that only comes from you. To ask you, Lord, what is our greater calling? Lord, we don't, I know that can get convoluted in, our, in our, what we're trying to figure out, but Lord, I pray that it would make it clear, that you would give us clarity even for a church, even, even as individuals, but Lord, especially for families. And Lord, I just believe a year from now, we could sit in this room with unbelievable stories of obedience. Obedience. That's transformed lives. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this season, Lord. We always give you thanks for who you are and what you've done, but especially during this time, Lord. We're all kind of in unison of this together. Lord, we give you glory for all that you do. Help us, Lord, to be everything you've called us to be. We pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you again. If I don't see, if we don't see you again, have a great Christmas and a new start to next year. Blessings. Blessings.